Hello and welcome to Dirtcast. I am your co-host, Madeline Davies. And I'm your other co-host, Megan Reynolds. And today, we're pulling a fast one. We got a special treat from Gizmodo. We are actually going to play the pilot episode of a new podcast they released called The Gateway. It's a six-part series about Teal Swan, a new brand of spiritual guru who draws in followers with her hypnotic self-help YouTube videos aimed at people who are struggling with depression and suicidal thoughts. The final episode of this six-part series is actually out today, so, you know, binge-watching, it's in. But before we play you the pilot, we have the host of The Gateway, Jennings Brown, and one of the producers, Jessica Glazer, to chat with us about this wild story. Thank you guys so much for being Hello. here. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah, Yay. thanks for having us here. I just want to say the podcast is fucking crazy. Yeah, it's so good. Thank you. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's been <laughs> weird. That's not a question. The podcast is fucking crazy. Yeah, it's no, you been don't have a to weird that. journey. Yeah, it's 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 weird to see it finally out in the world after working on it for so long and being in this strange world that Teal has created. Tell us about the story and like what drew you into it, how you found it. That's one thing I'm interested in. Yeah, me in. too. It started just over a year ago. I was uh, freelancing at the time. I was between jobs, like working alone in my studio <laughs> and just exploring weird online communities because I write about kind of internet subcultures and mm-hmm. things like that. I think YouTube was just sort of building the algorithm based on all my weird interests. Yeah, they're like, here's a sad, and lonely man. Yeah, it was like, this, this guy is uh, <laughs> isolated. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> And then it was like, you might like a Teal Swan video. And so I kept seeing her face popping up. Mm -hmm. Finally, you know, I took the bait and clicked. And I could tell it was just very unorthodox advice on really taboo topics, you know, like trauma and suicide and depression. And Mm -hmm. so I started looking into it and just got really sucked in. There were a lot of rumors surrounding her, just people, you know, accusing her of influencing people's decision to take their own life. So, of course, that seemed worth looking into and then reached out to her and she said we could come out to um, her retreat center in Costa Rica. And, you know, by that, by this time, I, you know, pulled Jessica in. I remember that phone call that you had been trying to set up with Teal and her team and they had wanted to, one of her handlers was like, yes, we can set up this call to like have Teal tell you what she's interested in, which we're like, okay, we don't really know exactly what that means. And she's so accessible, like When she first, you know, we had some technical issues with the phone call and like FaceTime and Skype Mm -hmm. and there were all these like feedback issues. And then we finally get connected and the conversation is just like off and running and it feels like I'm listening, you know, on the other end of the booth. And it sounds like this intimate conversation between people who've known each other for a long time, which I think is part of her draw and power. She's so good. Yeah. She just like has like a warmth. Yes. She like lets you into her world that's not like a perfect world. It's like she just invites you in. Yeah. And and when we finally were out there, it's like she would pull us aside and kind of let us in on some of the things going on. And the way she talks to you, it's like she's sharing a secret with you alone. Mm, And I I get the feeling that she speaks that way with a lot of people. Right. It's like everyone like feels like this woman knows me. Mm -hmm. That's a real power. There's a clip that plays in the episode that I think everyone's going to hear where she is basically doing, like, suicidal ideation yeah. with people, where she's like, I want you to, like, imagine how you would take your own life. These are, like, I wouldn't call them therapeutic techniques, but it's, like, a pretty extreme approach to treating trauma. I'm conscious to talk too much about it. You know, we've been very careful in our handling of it and making sure that we have proper trigger warnings and everything. Mm-hmm. 
you know, one of the things I think she does well is asking people to, or encouraging people to talk about mental health and emotional right. health without shame. Mm-hmm. Totally. And, um, and just talking about it. Like, right. you know, there's so much taboo around it and there's such stigma around talking about mental health. So people don't get help. And, mm-hmm. um, she, you know, within her community, she really encourages that. But then the advice that she actually gives, that I think deserves a little more scrutiny mm-hmm. or accountability or something because she's she's trying things, but the <laughs> idea of like sinking into your yeah. your suicidal feelings and right. things like that, I mean, that is... Yeah, yeah, and as we learned, she targets these people using SEO and Google tags. <laughs> Some of her videos are called, I want to kill myself, parentheses, what to do if you're suicidal. I mean, she she's very good at SEO. It's like basic SEO, but she's right. very good at it. And these Google tags, and she reaches out in the internet to these people. One of the things to give her credit is she, like Jennings said, she does give people this space to talk about mental health in a completely non-shaming way. Like she says, if you feel suicidal, if you feel the, you know, the way you feel is because anyone in your situation would feel that way, mm-hmm. which is really powerful. It, like I've dealt with depression and I'm sure a lot of people have, but like the worst thing you can tell someone to do is like not be depressed. Right. Yeah. Or like look at your situation, like look how good you have it, you know, like that's the least helpful. Totally. Right. So she has that message, but beyond just like attracting people with that message, she uses SEO and these Google tags to reach people who are Googling their problems and then mm-hmm. provides this, you know, questionable advice. Um, how large is her following? So her private Facebook group, which is kind of her most active community, it's 26,000 people. Uh-huh. I mean, I don't know how many people are, are participating in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is very active and people are posting every few minutes mm-hmm. about their depression or, or um, emotional issues. Mm-hmm. A lot of posts about discussing suicide. Mm-hmm. You know, her intentional community is probably like the her real like inner circle yeah. is probably closer to like a dozen, a dozen to forty oh, wow. people. I think okay. like For, like, 40, like people who mm-hmm. I feel like I heard that at one point of like people who kind of travel with her right. or she has mm. one of her kind of home bases is Philly, the Philia Center in Costa Rica where mm-hmm. we went in the third episode. And um, I think she also kind of has a bit of a, a base in Utah where she started out. Right. And I think there's kind of members of her intentional community in, in both those places. Mm-hmm. And then some people travel with her. And I think she has kind of go-to people in different states that she, or areas right. that she frequents. So it's kind of hard to say. It seems like people come and go. I mean, there are definitely like people who have been with her for a long time. Mm-hmm. But there is also like new volunteers who are traveling with her. So it's like hard to get a number on like who these people are because they're shifting and the locations are shifting and some travel with her and some don't. And then, you know, we met some some people in Costa Rica who were living down there and volunteering for her. And then we met them again in Utah and they were like moving on to like other pursuits, but we're still traveling with her in Utah. So it's kind of confusing to know like a complete number of what this intentional community entails. So what would differentiate her from other spiritual gurus who maybe have like grabbed the mind of pop culture? You know, as I say in this episode, she really has a lot more in common with, I think, internet influencers. Mm. I mean, she's posting constantly um, these life updates and kind of a peek into her world. The YouTube videos are a big part. Uh, Blake, her business manager and former boyfriend, Mm -hmm. um, told me that people have kind of come to them to ask, like, what they did right as far as, like, building a brand using YouTube. But so she has these self-help YouTube videos that are very captivating and viral and talk about topics from, like, nervous breakdowns mm-hmm. to cryptocurrency to whatever is kind of in the headlines at the moment, I think. You know, anything that people are searching for. Quietly sure. brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> That's and then, really... 
And then her uh, her Instagram is everything from her like lounging at home and not wanting to get out of bed to um, to giving fun tips to like fun memes. And you know, <laughs> we when we were at her um, uh, center in Costa Rica, at one point, you know, they were following her around with a camera and taking a bunch of pictures that then ended up on Instagram. You know, we saw them like in the weeks later, those pictures would were on Instagram with like one of her quotes under them. And it really reminded me of any other sort of vlogger or, you know, Instagram right. influencer. I'm looking at her Instagram right now and it is a very, <laughs> yeah, combination of like what like a beauty YouTuber would do. Totally. But just for like this shit. Like it's of- not far off from what you'd see from somebody who would be on Goop or, yeah, you know. Right. Yep, yep, yeah, right. Yep. It really is kind of in that... I mean, I'm not going to say, like, you'll see her budding up with Gwyneth Paltrow next week, but it is kind of in that same sort of universe. Yeah, like, it's, like, wellness adjacent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, what do you hope your, like, listeners are going to come away with or learn about in tuning into The Gateway? One thing that we really explore, especially later in the episode, is why people f- go to gurus instead of trained mm. mental health practitioners. Yeah. What is she doing that... Other maybe other people should take from who do have more training and accountability. Doctor Phil, right. maybe sure. not Doctor Phil, but <laughs> sure. yeah. but yeah. So I think people will understand that. I don't know. We're still trying to wrap our head around what the what the moral of the story yeah. is here. Yeah. Um, even though we finished up the final episode, <laughs> but I don't know, Jessica. What do you think is like the? Um, what, yeah, what people could take, I mean, I think there's any number of things that people could take away from it. What, what I sort of take away from working on this series is just how much need there is in terms of like mental health and how inadequate the resources available to us are Mm -hmm. starting from the way we talk about mental health, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and how free or unfree people feel to talk about their depression or their anxiety or any, any number of mental health issues. So like that, you know, she's entering this space that has these gaping holes, which I think is a really important like thing to look at and conversation to have around. And then there's like more questions about who we let influence our worldviews and mm-hmm. the way we see ourselves. I mean, the the way the series kind of evolves, there's this whole conversation around memories and memories of childhood trauma that may or may not have actually happened. It's like it was like very popular for like a minute where therapists would do this sort of like hypnosis basically to uncover like re- repressed, uh, memories. repressed memories right. that in a few cases it turned out ended up not being real. Uh, yeah. So a lot of times it has to do with like sexual abuse as a child or that type of thing. There are a lot of things that I think Teal has kind of repackaged that were popular in the 80s and mm. 90s. One of those is like law of attraction type oh. uh, spiritual self-help. Right. Which, yeah. you know, she's heavy like, on law of attraction. She's heavy on in that. But also, yeah, a lot of the, the trauma-based therapy methods mm-hmm. that were popular in the 80s and 90s that have since been fallen out of favor right. for, uh, I think, very good reasons. Uh, right. She is bringing new life to those two things and kind of melding them together. There's also a very good SVU episode on it. Oh, yeah? (laughs) Sorry. This is a pop culture podcast. (laughs) We're going to diet it. So, I mean, we've done episodes on Scientology. We've done an episode on Goop. You know, like we kind of deal with these weird modern spiritual trends a lot. And maybe you can't answer this at this point because you're not sure. Do you think that she's sincere? Like it seems like she believes that she's helping people. Uh, um, <laughs> I think I think she. Um, I think on some level she's. I mean, you don't you become have a healer. To be sincere. She right, is. Yeah, exactly. She's. She. She 
labels herself a spiritual healer. Mm-hmm. I don't think I mean there are many ways to get fame. Yeah, you know, famous true. that if mm-hmm. um, that that aren't healing. Um, right. I think uh, yeah, she got into this. Yeah, there are ways to be famous that involve a lot less work than what she's doing. Yeah, right. right. I think she got into this because she wanted to help yeah. on some yeah. level. I mean, I that doesn't. I don't mean that even as like an excuse for anything. We're just like, yeah, there are a lot of people like. There are a lot of people who are like that who think they're helping but are actually really harming, right. you know. I think that she does believe that she's helping people. Yeah. I think that she believes that what works for her works for literally everyone else except, except for the people that nothing will ever work for, right. which is a problematic belief. Well, because so it's like very black and white in yeah. her mind. It's like yeah. you do it my way. This is the way that will fix it or like you're basically. Yeah, basically. I mean, she thinks what works for her and what, you know, she's now crafting to put out into the world for the masses, like, will work for everyone. Mm -hmm. I think she really, truly believes that. And we know that, like, everyone's different and everyone is coming from a different place. And, like, she has a very specific, very unique background that not everything there not everything that works for her will work for everyone mm-hmm. else. So I think I think she's genuinely trying to help people. I think she's trying to help her younger self by helping other people who are in that position. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think she has an arrogance to like the certainty of her methods that has limits. Right. And that's true for a lot of spiritual gurus, I think, where they kind of are these egomaniacs a little bit where it's just like, no, I feel so certain in this thing that I'm going to convince other people it's right because, like, how often in life do you encounter people who just are, like, certain? And I think that that is all people really are searching for. And, like, that's why people turn to religion and that's why people turn to a lot of things is because they're, like, life is so unpredictable and people just want to be assured. And if you're someone who thinks you can assure people, you're going to go a long way. She says a lot of things with a lot of certainty. And sometimes it doesn't make sense, but she says it so with so much certainty, it's comforting. <laughs> right. You're just like, okay, great. Someone has an answer. Yeah. But then she threw me off guard when she said she's actually putting her process through a uh, clinical trial. Okay. Wait, through really? clinical trials. Oh. Um, I mean, they're they're actually they're in the phase before that, but they uh-huh. they are they they have they're working with a um, psychologist to um, to get case studies in order to go through a, a clinical trial. So, so she's going to try to legitimize this essentially. That's her plan. Yeah, she wants it to be covered by insurance. Oh, I mean that's that takes confidence to be like, yeah, put it through the put it through the test. Like I'm not, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. she's she. I think she definitely, yeah, she has a lot of confidence in that her. You would have to, yeah. Her process will work for <laughs> the masses. Mm. Wow. So how do you, as like a responsible journalist, uh, go into these interviews with her followers or with people who you know have experienced insane loss or insane trauma? That is adjacent to Teal Swan. Um, with a lot of caution. Mm-hmm. I mean, we uh, everything we put in this podcast, every interview, I think we really had to kind of have a discussion about, mm-hmm. you know, between me and Jessica and our other producer, Emily, and um, my editor, Gizmodo, Kelly Bourdais. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were a lot of uh, – we were kind of wading into some really messy territory with this, um, dealing with – Topics like suicide and um, sexual abuse mm-hmm. and um, incest. I mean, there's a lot of really, um, yeah. And it, I mean, again, we with each episode, we we've made sure to package it and present it so carefully. So it's it's like I almost have to be careful about what I say outside of it. Right. Right. Yeah. It was just with a lot of care, and a lot of these people, people we talked to, were you know in pain and in suffering, and and, right. and um, it was it's very difficult. But um, you know, I think we you kind of see that in the, in the podcast, our, our handling of it. I mean, and I'll say to, like, listeners who are maybe hesitant 
I mean, one, trust your gut. Uh, but also at Jezebel, like we write about sexual assault all the time. And so I think we cast a very critical eye on how it's covered by other people. And you guys are very, very sensitive and thoughtful in your approach. I agree. So Thank I you. appreciate that. Yeah, totally. Um, just because a lot of people are not. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I'll say is that, like, when it was first brought to us an idea of like, all right, have on Jessica and Jennings and then we're going to like play their show. I was just like, oh, all right. It's just like people are tuning in for one thing and they're getting another thing. And then once I listened to it, I mean, I was like direct messaging our producer and I was like, this shit is insane. <laughs> like it is actually a really fascinating story. And that made me feel more comfortable and more willing to do this. And I hope that our listeners will also tune in at least for a couple episodes because it is just like an insane story and it's produced so well. And it's it's a very you know, compelling story. It's very interesting. I think it's, you guys did a great job with it. Honestly. Thank you. That means yeah. a lot. Thank you guys so much for being here. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Thanks for having us. Everyone else, stay tuned after the credits for the first episode of The Gateway. Thank you so much for listening to DirtCast and thank you to Jennings Brown and Jessica Glazer. Our show is produced by Levi Sharp. Majina Mofidi is our executive director of audio. Our theme music is by Stuart Wood. This episode was mixed by Jamie Colazzo. Our intern is Rachel Withers. If you want to send us a tip or just let us know what you think, hit us up at dirtcast at jezebel.com. You can find us on Spotify, NPR One, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Warning before we start, this episode includes discussions about suicide. So at the time Leslie was dancing with us, um, once a year we would put on a huge soiree event. And this is what this filming is. I'm sitting at Joyce Seiler's kitchen table in Logan, Utah. It's a university town surrounded by mountains. Joyce is on her laptop watching her first performance with her belly dance troupe. She points out the woman dancing right in front of her. It's her best friend, Leslie Wainsgard. Which one's? Leslie's over here on the right. Far right? Far right. Leslie's on the far right. So when you see that, what are you, what are you thinking? Of? I think of how we prepared to go out on stage and how Leslie was like going, it'll be okay. Let's make sure everything's taken care of, everything's pinned. Everything's in place. You'll do fine. Leslie was one of the troupe's leaders at the time. They all followed her steps on stage. But Joyce and another dancer, Bobby, they followed her off stage too. Oh, it's very, very happy time. There were times after dance that the three of us, Bobby, Leslie, and myself, would go out to dinner afterwards and talk and laugh and, and get a chance to just talk about stuff that had nothing to do with anything, just fun stuff. And so that's the Leslie I knew. Let's go down and let's go eat. Let's go have fun. Joyce and Leslie danced together for a couple of years. They loved to go costume shopping and get dinner. But then Leslie and her husband moved an hour and a half away to Salt Lake City to take care of Leslie's stepdad. When she left Logan, um, 
she became very different from what I had experienced with her. So it's like she pulled away from the Leslie that I had known. All she could do was her communication was all about what she was currently involved with, with her spiritual leader at that time. And that was the only focus she had. The spiritual leader Leslie started seeing, her name is Teal Swan. She works with people who are struggling with depression or emotional distress. She gets people to process past trauma in order to overcome it. Teal worked with Leslie for about a year. The last time I saw her was at Springfest in the springtime, and she came to watch us dance at that time. I could tell at that time there was a difference, that, that she was not the happy Leslie I was used to seeing. It's hard when you see someone that you love not be in that happy spot, and there's nothing you can do for them. One month later, on May 20th, 2012, Leslie took her own life. I can't make changes in the past. Uh, it digs up big feelings. <laughs> I don't know if other things have happened like this. I would not wish that on anybody, ever. And if, uh, if that has happened to other people, then I think that it should be investigated and additional information should be found out. An investigation, that's what I've set out to do. Leslie was one of Teal Swan's first clients. And since then, Teal has built a global empire. She has thousands of followers online because she's a new kind of guru. She has more in common with internet influencers and vloggers than she does with the Maha Rishi or Eckhart Tolle. And she's able to translate that online appeal into real world followers. People pay hundreds of dollars to go to her workshops around the world, and they pay a lot more to visit her retreat center in Costa Rica. To her followers, Teal is otherworldly. She can access all the knowledge in the universe and then give people practical ways to apply it to their lives. They call her the spiritual catalyst. But she also has a lot of vocal critics who say she's dangerous, especially when it comes to her statements on mental health and death. When I first started looking into Teal, it didn't take me long to find blogs claiming she's a cult leader. Some detractors call her the suicide catalyst. I've spent the past year trying to understand who Teal Swan really is and how she's impacted the lives of her followers. I've dug up police reports and government documents. I've personally tested Teal's signature therapy process. I've talked to her most devoted fans, her biggest critics, and the spiritual healer herself. I want to know if she's responsible for Leslie's death or anyone else's death. I want to know if she's a cult leader or the target of a witch hunt. I'm Jennings Brown with Gizmodo, and this is The Gateway. Part one, Catalyst. I first found Teal Swan in April 2017. At the time, I was going through a breakup. I was between reporting jobs, freelancing. I'm a tech reporter, and I was pitching stories about conspiracy theorists and extremists online. 
I was spending a lot of time on unsettling forums and watching really strange and depressing YouTube videos. It was a dark time. Then, Teal Swan's videos started popping up in my YouTube recommendation bar. I finally clicked one and was transfixed. Teal's not what I picture when I imagine a guru. When I think of a spiritual teacher, I think age of Aquarius, sage old man in an orange robe, or a radical sweaty evangelist. But Teal is different. She's classically pretty with a mystical vibe, like she popped out of the cover of a sci-fi novel. She has an oval face, high cheekbones, long auburn hair, and these piercing green eyes that stare directly into the screen, through the screen. In the past, when seekers were looking for answers or meaning, they sought out gurus. They bought self-help books, or they went to a conference, or they embarked on a pilgrimage. But now, when we have questions, when we're afraid, alone, or confused, we only have to search on the internet. And that's where people find Teal Swan. Her YouTube series is called Ask Teal. The videos all look alike. She's always in front of a trippy, calming background. Her voice is droning, soothing, a little hypnotic. She answers questions about self-improvement covering all kinds of topics, like how to lose weight. Weight gain is an external reflection of a deep internal problem. And what to do if you feel hopeless. But if you are in a state of hopelessness, what exactly should you do about it? Whatever you do, don't try to think positive thoughts. Don't write a single affirmation. She even gives financial advice. All right, cryptocurrency, quite literally, is the currency of the future. Teal isn't a trained mental health practitioner. And when she talks about mental health, she does it in a way that people might not be used to. You cannot say that suicide is wrong without also saying that death is wrong. Death is always a choice. But people trust her on topics like suicide because she's been there. Teal says she's attempted suicide several times. She knows what it's like to be in that dark place. Teal is polarizing, provocative. She's subversive. She knows that using buzzwords and clickbait topics with a splash of controversy will bring in viewers. Because when people are distressed, they don't know what to look for. They're just Googling, I'm alone, or why does this hurt so much? And those words might lead them to a Teal Swan video about grief. And that video can lead them down a Teal Swan rabbit hole. Because she's pumping out new content and life updates constantly on social media, this strategy is working for Teal. She has a substantial online following and her self-help videos have been viewed on YouTube more than 55 million times. So she's been able to get a lot of YouTube subscribers, but it's her followers who really count. And it's important that you understand how those followers get drawn into Teal's world. I believe Teal has the capacity to fully understand a person. This is Rayo Yumiba. He's one of Teal's dedicated followers. There's no one stereotypical Teal Swan follower. Some are lost teens, others are retirees looking for meaning. They're different ethnicities and live all over the world. The US, Scandinavia, South Africa, Mexico. But a lot of them found Teal at a particular point in their lives. When they were isolated and in pain and spending a lot of time online. Maybe they've tried other therapies or pills or maybe they don't want therapy. But they're searching for answers and Teal has them. That's how Rayo found her. Okay, so basically my whole life and passion was to become a professional skateboarder. That was my whole purpose in life. 
Rayo used to be a skater in Los Angeles. He's tall and lanky, super polite and soft-spoken. He started skating when he was eight years old. And then when he was around 18, his legs started to bow outwards. He couldn't skate anymore. It was so bad he had to get surgery. And they basically broke both of my legs and I was in bed for seven months. And uh, basically once I got back on my skateboard, it didn't work out the way that I planned. I wasn't progressing in my skateboarding and that's kind of basically when my entire life was falling apart. Rayo's social life and his future were wrapped up in skating. And now he had to figure out who he was without it. My entire life purpose, everything was gone. And so this was basically a time when I was feeling very suicidal. That's when YouTube recommended one of Teal's videos. He had been laying in bed, frustrated, anxious, mindlessly watching videos online. During that time, I was trying to escape my emotions, and I came across one of her interviews. Just something clicked. Rayo watched Teal's videos regularly for a few years. He started following Teal's advice by asking himself constantly, what would someone who loved themselves do? And he started doing things he always wanted to do, like traveling around in a van and surfing a lot. But he wasn't able to rebuild the social network he'd grown up with in skateboarding. He still struggled with relationships. Then, in 2016, he heard that Teal was holding a workshop nearby in San Diego. It was one of her synchronization workshops where she calls people up on stage to share their issues and questions with her. And so I decided to attend one of these workshops, and I ended up being picked to go on stage. You're going for a man that's way in the back. Yes, you. Teal films and uploads most of these workshops to her site. In this one, she's at a performing arts theater at San Diego State. Rayo's in the audience, and when Teal calls on him, at first he can't believe it. Then he makes his way from the back of the room onto the stage. Hi. Hi. Um, wow, it's like an honor to be here right now. Teal's sitting in an armchair next to this Victorian couch. Rayo's on the couch just a few feet away from Teal. He adjusts the mic stand. He's so nervous. He starts telling her about his problem. Yeah, and it, the pain was so acute that I felt like like I felt really suicidal and mm -hmm. stuff and I feel like I've been on this journey like by myself okay like, that, that ended today that's um, always not fun by the way so you can let yourself off the hook a little bit because it's sort of like you're sitting there with your hands against the train going this shouldn't be this hard it's not this hard for anyone else God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you want connection, you've got you've got to literally start letting yourself feel people. Well, the reason why I haven't done that is because I'm afraid that I won't be loved for who I am. Guess, guess who's that. scared of that too? Everyone. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You guys, seriously, like, this is the collective issue of this group, right here. This is it. Teal's in her element at these workshops. She's super comfortable on stage. Sometimes she kicks off her heels, leans forward, and talks to the guests like they're the only person in the room. Then she'll pivot and speak to the audience, playing between the energy of the crowd and the person on stage. A few minutes into the session with Rayo, Teal asks for a volunteer. You, you're coming up here with me. Okay, this is a friendship. You ready? Welcome to your friend. 
Now, I don't make mistakes, just so you know. On an energetic level like this, there are no mistakes with me. This is a very good friend. The guy goes on the stage and plops down on the couch. He throws his arm over the top and sits to face Rayo. He's got a man bun, he's wearing a plaid shirt. He's visibly more comfortable in his body than Rayo, and he has a lot more energy. Even watching the way that your auras are interacting with each other, even though on a physical level you're holding yourself back and you're trying to wall off, the outer perimeter of your auric field is doing this together. It's this very beautiful fusion. So this is a good friendship. The new volunteer leans across the couch and gives Rayo a hug, but Rayo pulls away and it's awkward. Teal puts Rayo on the spot and points out that this is an opportunity for connection. Then Teal turns to Rayo's new friend. Tell them about yourself. This is the first time you guys get to meet. We all get to watch it. That's wonderful. My name is... My name is Octavio. (laughs) And I've felt lost for a long time. You spoke about disconnect and suicide, and those are things that I've gone through myself. Rayo is just sinking deeper and deeper into the couch. So here's my assignment. You ready? Okay. Okay, so the first thing that I want you guys to do tonight is something safe, okay? (laughs) By safe, by safe, I mean like, okay, we're going to go to like a place that that serves tea or something like that, and we're going to do a get-to-know-you game. And the primary commitment you have to each other is if there's ever a, let's say, a lack of resonance, meaning there's a conflict of some sort, or a tension, that you're going to collectively resolve it. Rayo perks up. Teal's given him a mission, and he's rising to the occasion. I'm ready. Right, let's do it. <laughs> Rayo and Octavio hug, and this time, Rayo leans in. Everybody in the audience applauds. This is why people come to these events. They all hope to go up on stage and get one-on-one time with Teal, sure, but even if that doesn't happen, there's still this intense sense of connection or community. I talked to Rayo about a year after he was at this workshop, He ended up living with Octavio in Washington for six months. He's still on this journey of personal development, building on what he learned from Teal about his struggles with emotion and relationships. But now he doesn't feel like he's alone. I mean, this is like her field, you know? Uh, This is like she's an expert in relationships. I'm beginning to feel more and more comfortable in my own skin. I believe Teal has the capacity to fully understand a person, and I feel like that is the closest thing that I felt to being unconditionally loved. Rayo now has a community much bigger than his old skateboard crew. He's in what Teal refers to as her intentional community. It's basically a commune, a group of people who live and travel with Teal and make new Teal content, helping to spread her message on social media. Rayo told me that when he was accepted as one of Teal's volunteers, That was the greatest day of his life. They were looking for volunteers on Facebook, and uh, I decided to apply. I wanted to be a part of a community, and I was really tired of living by myself and being completely isolated. Rayo was able to get one-on-one time with Teal on stage, and he's gotten a lot closer to Teal since then. But Teal has thousands of followers, and not everyone can leave their lives behind to live with her. For those people, there's another way to get a taste of that validation and acceptance, anytime, day or night, whenever they need it. We may not have a physical place to go, but at least we have this. After the break, I'll introduce you to the Teal Tribe. 
Teal's posted almost 400 videos on her YouTube channel since she started it seven years ago. And she's also a prolific blogger. Her website has hundreds of blog posts and live interactive workshops, and she posts daily updates on Instagram so you can see what's going on in her life. Hi there, daily update time, coming to you from bed. Because it's Saturday, and let's face it, Saturday is a good day to not get out of bed. Hi everybody, for today's daily update, I got an interesting question, and that question is, Teal, would you ever date a fan? Besides the fact that I'm married right now, so that's a no-no in general, I can't say that I would never date a fan. Hi there, I spent today administering Combo to people. For those of you that don't know, Combo is a shamanic medicine, technically it's frog poison. Down in South America, the shamans, they sing some of these tree frogs. These daily updates are a window into Teal Swan's world. She lives this life that a lot of people would dream of. She's traveling around the world, but she's also helping people with serious issues. They paint a picture of this imperfect, alluring person who dabbles in shamanic medicine. And for her fans, she's creating what feels like direct access and connection. Hi there, everybody. Daily update time. Yeah, today's not been a very good day. I'm going to be honest. I did not wake up in a good space. A lot of things in my personal life are changing right now and not in ways that are comfortable, in ways that are really painful. And then there's Teal's private Facebook group, the Teal Tribe. The Teal Tribe is managed by her inner circle and has more than 25,000 members. This is her dedicated online core. You know that safe space that Teal created for Rayo on stage at the workshop? That's what Teal has created here, online, 24-7. A lot of times, members feel like they need immediate help. And when they do, they'll stream a video live onto the Facebook page. So, yeah, basically, I just, I'm feeling so alone. This video was posted on the Teal um, Tribe a few weeks ago. The caption reads, help me not die, with an upside down smiley face. My problem is that I feel super alone. (laughs) So alone that I want to actually die right now. As this Teal Tribe member live streams, Um, she's checking the dozens of comments that people are posting. They tell her, you're not alone. You're brave. Yeah. You'll come out of this so much yeah, stronger. I, mean, I know it's okay. And honestly, people watching this and commenting is already, I already feel like more loved. Thank you everyone for, for listening and for watching and for your comments and for giving me company and for just being part of Teal Tribe. I mean, this place is amazing on itself. Like, we may not have a physical place to go, but at least we have this. There are hundreds of videos and posts like this where people are saying they want to kill themselves. And I see the value of having this kind of immediate support, but it's still jarring to me. The amount of posts about suicide is staggering. And I'm far from the only person who has noticed this. There were a lot of posts of people saying that they were feeling suicidal. This is Catherine Breen. She used to be a member of the Teal tribe. It concerns me a lot because of things that Teal has said about suicide and things that she said about past clients who have like well specifically one past client who has committed suicide this one past client who committed suicide that's leslie you heard joyce the belly dancer talking about her at the beginning of the episode she's come up in the teal tribe before and on critics blogs i found one facebook post from august 29th 2016 it says i know that a lot of you might not like this post 
And believe me, I love Teal so much. She has helped me a lot. But why do Teal haters keep saying she led a woman to suicide? Can anybody please tell me the whole story? It ends with parentheses, this post is not against Teal, in parentheses, followed by two heart emojis. Did Teal influence Leslie's decision to end her life? Like just about everything else with Teal, it doesn't take me long to find a video of her addressing this specifically. This video is from back in 2013, the year after Leslie died. I actually, interestingly enough, lost my first client to suicide this last year. And this was a woman who was absolutely miserable. This clip of Teal at a workshop in Santa Fe, this short clip, this is what Teal Swan's critics point to as the most damning evidence that she pushes people to kill themselves. And so we had that very serious sit-down talk where we had to say, all right, we're either committing or not committing to life. Because every time I gave her a suggestion, she'd stop in two days doing the suggestion. So then we have to ask the question, do we really want this to work? And what's interesting is when she asked herself that question, the answer was no, I'm done. So there's nothing that any healer could ever do for that type of vibration, which is totally fine. From source energy, there's nothing wrong with death from that perspective. So she chose to commit suicide. Interestingly enough, it took her about two days before she was reincarnated again. Teal uses a lot of spiritual jargon that I don't get. But saying that there's nothing a healer could ever do for that type of vibration, what does she mean by that? Uh, her messaging on mental health. It, in a word, reckless. There are so many people who love Teal Swan, but she also has a lot of critics. Like Levon Slavin. She was never a follower of Teal's, but she says that she was in a spiritually abusive relationship with a guru. And it reminds her of how Teal interacts with her followers. So Levon writes blog posts warning people about Teal. She has repeatedly said that death is a reset button for a life that's become too miserable. And that it may be the best option for some people. She's said that death feels incredible. That it's a gift you'd give yourself if you knew how wonderful it was. Jessica Schaub is another one of Teal's critics. Jessica used to be a spiritual leader herself, but now she tries to expose what she sees as spiritual abuse. Teal is dangerous because of the way she manipulates people and the way she gets them to do things. Jessica warned me about getting too close to Teal in her inner circle. That I don't think she would physically harm people, but her, the way they attack is usually virtually, right? Jessica and Levon have been attacked online for speaking out against Teal. Some of Teal's critics were nervous about talking to me because of the potential backlash. Some didn't want to meet in person. They preferred phone or email. After hearing about all their fears and allegations, I wanted to talk to the spiritual catalyst herself. Hello? After the break, I get a hold of Teal. In order to talk to Teal, I had to go through her manager. I didn't even know spiritual teachers had managers. When I got a hold of him, he said I could set up a call with Teal to find out what was important to her. I wasn't sure what that meant, but I was about to find out. 
Hello? Yikes. Are you hearing that weird feedback? <sighs> Technology. She tried to FaceTime me. Oh, there she did. Hi. Finally, hello. I, uh, sorry about that. I don't, I don't know what's going on. But, how are you? Um, okay. Yeah, you I'm had a... frustrated today because today we're, we're going to be filming, um, so I'll just go here. My hate groups are so incredibly active lately that I've been put in a position where um, our decision as a team to ignore it can't happen anymore. Okay. So I basically have to do a video today that's answering to a lot of their allegations because I'm losing so many contracts based off what they're saying. Okay. What's going on there? I'm going into this in this video, but basically this situation has been created where because so many people find belonging in this group of mine that we've created called right. Teal Tribe, when they have a falling out with me for any reason, it could be that I don't answer an email or something like that, they sort of look around for where to belong, and the only place to belong is with people who hate me. So right. this platform has grown to thousands of people. So they go crazy, but I'm but they're like active. I mean, active, active to the degree where they're like turning me into the no-fly list, calling the cops on me, doing protests, tanking my Amazon ratings, threatening my publishers that if they don't get rid of my books, they're going to boycott the company. Like really serious shit. Like for example, one of one of the monitors that my haters have given me is the suicide catalyst. As if I'm promoting suicide, so I'm going to basically answer to, to all of these things from my perspective. I thought I would have to work my way up to asking about things like her critics and the suicide allegations, but it's not even two minutes in and we're already there. Where did the, the suicide catalyst come from? Oh, that actually, the suicide catalyst thing came from a, a girl who lived with me in the very beginning of my career, this girl Cameron Clark, who turned into my first and principal hater. But during that same period of time, I had a client that I was seeing, a personal client, who had a psychiatrist. She was really, I mean, suicidally depressive. She was on medication. She was being seen, of course, like usual, psychiatrists weren't doing anything. Mm. Nothing was helping. And I was seeing her on over the period of a year with her husband. That was Leslie. And... No matter what I would say, she would never actually apply it. She would never do anything. And what I wasn't really understanding at that time is what she needed was 100% presence, which was not something I could actually give her, and it was not something even her husband could give her. At some point while working with Leslie, Teal went on a vacation. As Teal tells it, she went out to the desert to disconnect and watch the eclipse. But when she got back in cell range, she turned on her phone and was flooded with missed calls and texts. The first few from her and from the husband saying that she was in trouble and the next one him screaming his head off because she committed suicide and it was it was the first real big blow in my career life honestly because yeah. i had never i mean it's the first time a psychologist loses a client the first time a spiritual teacher loses a client you're like oh my god like should i even be doing this i went to kind of a crisis i was crying for three days i was really close to this woman cameron joined teal's inner circle in 2013 a year after leslie died and after a while, she started to question Teal's methods. Cameron, this woman who turned on me, was actually in the house at that time. She watched me just flip out over it. But when she left, she literally just started saying that I was the cause of her death. Cameron declined to comment for this story. But our reporting found no evidence that Cameron publicly accused Teal of causing Leslie's death. When Cameron left Teal's intentional community, she started to talk publicly about what she experienced in the house. There's four people in a little room. She had them surround me, and she's sitting there berating me for all of my shortcomings, telling me that that I don't trust her, that I've 
I sent an energetic dagger by saying that, and then I'm questioning her integrity, and then she immediately jumps to telling me that I am suicidal. I said, what? I'm, I'm not suicidal. I, I don't even, I've never been suicidal in my life. Cameron is one of the first people from Teal's inner circle to come forward with this kind of criticism. And this YouTube interview has been viewed more than 40,000 times. And she said, well, what if I told you you're passively suicidal instead? And I was like, I don't even know what that means. And she said, well, I can see your thoughts and I can see your vibrations and I can see everything about you. And I know that you're a match to breast cancer and you have stomach ulcers. And she's just going on and on and on about how toxic of a person I am. And so by the end of this, she's like, you're just uncommitted to life and you really need to get in your car. Seriously, she compared me to this woman that that was her client who actually did kill herself, Leslie. And she compared me to her and told me that, you know, I'm just like her and I really need to decide whether or not I'm committed to life and I should get in my car and go drive and go go get in your car, go drive. And you need, I want you to go right now and go decide whether or not you're committing to life. Teal's message that Cameron needs to decide whether she's committing to life or not, that's the same thing Teal said to Leslie. And so we had that very serious sit-down talk where we had to say, all right, we're either committing or not committing to life. And Leslie ended up taking her own life. Teal's critics are quick to point out that connection. But Teal insists she's saving people with this message and that it's actually the best way to help people. The way that we did know suicide is not, okay, I'm one of the only people who's got the balls enough to talk about it directly. Most spiritual teachers are too scared to do this. Most psychologists are too scared to do this. All they do is refer people to the hospitals or do the suicide helpline, which does nothing. So my willingness to be like, no, we're going to actually go into it. We're going to look at the pain. We're going to take it as something that needs to be faced. It is your life. You get to make a choice. Let's look at that choice. It scares the crap out of people. So psychiatric hospitals and the suicide prevention lifeline do help a lot of people. And when Teal is saying that the lifeline doesn't work, it concerned me that she's discouraging people from calling them. At the time, I wondered how much that messaging influenced Leslie. Since then, I've learned a lot more about Leslie's story. And we're going to get into it later in this series. I'm the only person in the field that needs security detail. That doesn't happen in the spiritual field. That's for pop stars. But, like, I needed five men minimum for each event. Five and men. And people coming with, yeah. And we have people coming in with knives and things like that. So, I mean, I think before social media and everything, it wasn't possible to be, like, a star, you know, in the spiritual field. Levon, one of Teal's critics, warned me that Teal often exaggerates her own sense of danger. Teal isn't right about the fact that other gurus don't need security detail. Tony Robbins, an incredibly popular self-help guru, he has bodyguards. And there have been assassination attempts against spiritual teachers, like Gandhi, for example. So Teal might be exaggerating, but it doesn't take away from the fact that she does fear for her safety and the safety of her family. We had people that were threatening to kill me, death threats every day on me and death threats on my son. Well, I, I don't understand why they'd bring your son into this, especially. Because either they believe he needs to be protected from me because I'm this nightmare, or they believe that he is the spawn of Satan. Which would make you Satan. Yeah. Teal used to be based in Utah, but she recently opened up a headquarters in Costa Rica. In part, she says, because it's safer for her out there. Despite her critics trying to take her down, she's still building this empire. She calls it Philia. Hello there, everyone. This is my opportunity to welcome you to Philia, 
This is the new retreat center in Costa Rica that was started by myself and my husband, Ale Jacob. This is from a promotional video they filmed in Philia. I am completely in love with this place. We were divinely led here. It was complete intuition. I had never been to Costa Rica before buying this place. Amazing. In the video, it looks beautiful and secluded, covered in bright flora with little statues and relics all over the place. For a couple thousand dollars, you can spend a week with Teal and an intimate group of fans doing meditations and workshops. Okay, so I'm not going to lie to you. I can't just be a match to any land, so I have managed to find some incredibly shamanic land. Now, those of you who are familiar with shamanic medicines and shamanic areas know that they contain both amazing, let's say, high-frequency spaces, and also they like to reveal your demons as well, which is what makes this place perfect for emotional healing, for any kind of trauma resolution, anything that exposes your shadows to you so that the light of consciousness can clear them. This is very intense land. For that reason, this is going to be intense emotional work when you're here. This I really wanted to go. I wanted to know what happens on this shamanic land. I wasn't sure if she'd be down for me and my producer roaming the retreat center with a bunch of microphones, but it was worth a shot. Yeah, I, you know, I said I'd love to kind of come out to um, the Phila retreat. You've got the curveball retreat coming up. Yes. I mean, is that is that still something that, that we would be welcome at? Yes. Okay. Great. That's that's awesome. Uh, I you know I, I wasn't expecting to get this deep on the first call, I guess, but um, that's what everyone says with me. Yeah, I guess that's sort of you know that's your thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh God. I have, I, it's not possible for me to stay on the surface. I just can't do it. Right. Right. I wonder if Teal really knew just how deep we were going to get. Coming up this season on The Gateway. My mother was like, you know what? I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. We have to do something completely radical. When we went to China, one of the things they said is, you know, you're very sensitive and that's a good thing. They literally spoke about her as though she was like this savior that was coming. And uh, so she would sit down and, and meet with Leslie and try and, and get her in touch with some of her suppressed memories spoke with Teal and I spoke with John. And he, he said that Leslie's family accused him of killing her. No comment. If I veered two feet to the right, we would go tumbling down a mountain. I want you to imagine that you're dead. So we're all gonna get suicidal for a moment. The thing that I'm learning most from her is... <laughs> Do you know what's going on over there? Yeah, someone's just in their part. At one point, Teal said, what if I told you that there's a hell of a lot that you don't remember from your childhood? What she's saying is, is basically a paradigm shift. She's revealing new knowledge to us. But there's a point where you have to come to where you're like, am I willing to die for what matters? And the answer is yes. I'm done playing it safe. If you or someone you know is having suicidal thoughts, you can speak with someone by confidentially contacting the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or the Crisis Text Line at 741-741. Both provide free anonymous support 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You've been listening to a Gizmodo podcast hosted by me, Jennings Brown. The Gateway is produced by Jessica Glazer and Emily Pontecorvo at Fusion Media Group and edited by Barry Finkel of Pineapple Street Media. 
Additional production help by Levi Sharp and Mitra Kaboli. Montana Mofidi is our executive director of audio. Editorial oversight by Kelly Bourdais. Original score and mixing by Hannes Brown. Special thanks to Jenna Weiss-Berman, Mario Aguilar, Marina Galperina, and Susie Banacarum. Audio from the film Open Shadow, the story of Teal Swan, courtesy of Aquamarina Productions and director Paula Marino. If you have any information you'd like to share about Teal Swan, please email us at thegateway at gizmodo.com or leave a message at 315-888-1654.